Welcome to the podcast of Grace Covenant Church, where we are transformed by God's grace, connected through relationships, and committed to service. But one of the core values that we have here at Grace is that the human soul can only be transformed by an act of God, by God's grace entering in and acting on the human soul. The way into God's family, that is faith in Jesus Christ, faith in him alone, his accomplished work, that faith is the same faith by which we are called to live out the life that he has called us into. But here's the deal. Genuine faith, the kind of faith that can transform your soul, that faith has to be activated by a choice. And it's not like you're throwing a switch on for God. God is always available. But in your life, you have to make a choice. So a, a really trite example is, I don't have to ask you if you have faith in the chair that you're sitting in. I know you do, because you're sitting in it. The choice was made when you walked in here. And you probably didn't even think about it, but you actually did make a, a choice to sit down. Well, in the spiritual dimension, God is constantly offering opportunities for us to be transformed. There, there are opportunities that are with potential to change our lives, to change our worldviews, to change who we are. But the only way uh, you can choose or you can affect those changes in you is to choose to step into them by faith. So God makes the offer, and then you, you, you like, you invite him to bring his grace actively into your life by choosing to accept that offer. So it's sort of like we stand at this proverbial fork in the road. Uh, we're looking down two paths, clearly marked paths. One on this side says, known and predictable. And on this side it says, unknown and challenging. So think of yourself standing there looking down that known road. What, what do you see? What images come to your mind? Do you see familiar faces? Familiar experiences? The routine of life? Perhaps the, the hopes that you hold for a future that's, that's predictable as well? Maybe thinking all the way forward to grandchildren and great-grandchildren and retirement. Now turn and look down the other road, the one that's marked unknown and challenging. What do you see down that road? Nothing. By definition, it's unknown. But you can imagine what's down that road. Imagination is an amazing gift that God has given to us. It's the capacity to see beyond the reality of what we have experienced already in life or experienced with our five senses. 
It's what will allow us to look down that road around the curve to the first turn and wonder what's down there. What might it be like? Imagination allows us to take the risk of choosing the road less traveled. Consider Abraham. Abraham is uh, known as the father of our faith. He was given a promise by God that he would be the father of a nation and that this nation would be so numerous that um, it would, the, the attempt to count the number of people in the nation would be like counting the stars or counting sand on the, on the beach, or actually in the desert where he was. But at 90 years old, with a wife who was sterile and beyond uh, childbearing years, there was still no heir, no son that would carry on the family name. But they persevered in their faith, and at a hundred years old, when Abraham was a hundred, God gave him a son through his wife, Sarah. Isaac was born. You can imagine the hopes, dreams that were deposited in the life of that boy by the parents. As he was growing up at some point, God said to Abraham, buddy, take, take that boy and take him to this mountain that I'm going to show you and offer him as a burnt sacrifice to the Lord. Can you, can you imagine what Sarah and Abraham struggled with for the next few days? The writer of the New Testament book of Hebrews gives us a glimpse into Abraham's soul. It's a very significant glimpse. I'll read it to you. He says, by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He carried through. He who had embraced the promise was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. So think of it this way. Abraham imagined that God was going to raise Isaac from the dead. Now why do I say that? Why, do I, why would I use that word? Well, think about it. Did God, had God ever allowed Abraham to see a human being raised from the dead, especially from a burnt sacrifice? As far as we know, no. At least there's no record of that in Abraham's life up to that point. So, so we have to assume that no. Had God promised him that he would raise Isaac from the dead? And there's no recorded promise of that. So what happened? Well, Abraham believed God. So here's, here's, the, here's the formula in, in, in Abraham's case. An unfettered belief in a God that can do anything he wants to and a promise that God can't break because of his very character. And you put those two together and his imagination went to work and they produced a result. This is how it's got to be. God has to raise him from the dead. 
because the promise has to be fulfilled. You see, in this case, of course, we know that, Abraham, that God intervened and Abraham didn't sacrifice his son. He stopped him with full intent, with his arm raised, ready to plunge a knife into his son's chest, and God stopped him and provided another sacrifice. But the point is that Abraham obeyed and persevered based on what he imagined God would do, what he hoped God would do, what he had faith that God would do. Imagination gave him the courage to walk down that fork, walk down that path, this, the path, the, the uncomfortable, painful, challenging, unknown path. Imagination gave him a vision of what could be. So this is true in how we treat other people as well. Not just how we treat circumstances, but how we treat other people. In large part, how we treat other people depends on how we view them, how we imagine them, or how we imagine that they could be. A lot of time, relationships get in trouble, whether they're partnerships or friendships or marriages. They get in trouble because one or the other or both partners bring unrealistic expectations into the relationship. And when those, relationship, when those expectations can't be meet, excuse me, can't be met, then it's easier to bail than to figure out what reality is. But here's the deal. First Corinthians says, love never fails. It says, love bears all things, love believes all things, love hopes all things, and love endures all things. So only a person who can see past the current unlovable behavior of another person, only a person who can see past that can withstand the disappointment of unrealized expectations and move on to more realistic expectations. In a blog called The Theological Importance of Imagination, an uh, unidentified writer says this, If we are going to never give up on another person, we have to see them something more, see in them something more than flesh and blood, than the flesh and blood that is standing before us. We have to see their potential beyond their failings. We have to see what is unseen. In other words, we have to see with eyes of faith. We cannot, however, see through eyes of faith if we lack the capacity to envision that which is not. We cannot see truly if we lack imagination. Godly imagination gives access to the what could be possible in the life of another person. As newborns, God, newborns in the faith, God gives us this capacity to see what we weren't able to see before. We're translated from darkness to light. He brings us into his light. We can see the kingdom of God. But the capacity to see this is not necessarily the same as seeing it. 
During Jesus' interrogation uh, by Pilate before his crucifixion, Pilate finally asked him the question that was really on his mind and that was burning into him that he wanted an answer to. He said, so, are you the king of the Jews? In his answer, Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. Most of us are like the Jews of Jesus' day. We look for God and his kingdom in the miraculously changed circumstances of our lives. We, 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 we're like the crowd who followed uh, Jesus after the feeding of the 5,000. And, and after having received fish and bread from Jesus' hand or the disciples' hands that Jesus multiplied, that's what we want. We want bread. We want comfort. Not suffering. We look for the safe, not the sacrificial. We want what's predictable, not the unknown. We are not looking for, nor did we ever anticipate, a cross in this path that Jesus chose for us. Because our definition of the abundant life doesn't include a cross. We desire fairness and equality. We want the kingdom to be of this world. When we pray, thy kingdom come, we imagine the end of suffering, we imagine the end of poverty, and let's be, let's be honest, we imagine the end of personal pain. But this is not God's path to the abundant life. It never has been. It is not primarily in the miraculously changed circumstances of our lives that God intends, us, get, intends for us to see or experience his kingdom. It's in the lives of the people around us that he wants us to look for the kingdom. It's in the potential of a Christ-filled and transforming life that we can see the kingdom blossoming into existence. I often miss this. Uh, more often than not, I miss it. Because the people around me become familiar. And the more familiar they become, the more used to them I become and the less attentive I am to what God is doing in their lives. It's like a parent with a grandkid or a parent with a kid. They don't, they don't see the growth until grandma and grandpa show up and say, great honk, look at how this kid has grown. And that's the way we are with the people around us. We, we, we don't see the development because we don't stop to observe. How long has it been since... Um, you looked at a neighbor or a colleague or a friend or a partner or your mate and took a minute to assess what you can see of development in their life over the last few years, even in non-believers' life. How have they developed? How are they growing as people? How is God drawing them to himself? And then imagined 
what that person could become in the next five years. For that matter, how long has it been since you stood in front of a mirror and imagined what you could become in the next year or two or five? My contention is that this godly imagination is what adds flavor to life. This is what changes the Christian life from black and white to 3D, HD, color. It's what gives depth, breadth, and width to life when, we, when we're aware of what God is doing in our lives and in the lives of other people. And God is continually offering us opportunities to step into these kinds of realities, these kinds of experiences where we can, where we can see those dimensions of reality. But it takes more than just opportunity. And it takes more than just imagination. Remember, God makes the offer. But the release of the potential power of transforming grace only happens if you choose to accept the offer. Let me give you an example. I had a friend who was very interested in, the, in asking me questions about the, the security of our missionaries in Muslim countries. And so we were talking about different issues of security. And I happened to mention to him that at this present time, there are more Muslims coming to faith in Christ than at any other time in the history of the world. And he was clearly surprised by that fact. But I went on to mention to him that many of our brothers and sisters in, uh, who are coming to faith, who are Muslims, um, have had dreams and visions as a key part of their journey to Christ. And he was clearly unconvinced. As a scientist, or as a, a doctor, in this case, a medical doctor, he, he, he said, you know, I, uh, I just have a real hard time with, these, uh, w with finding credible these stories of miracles and visions and dreams. My, my mind says that, that the answers are, need to be scientific, and that's not. And... Um, and so there was the conversation. And now, now, here was the deal. God was giving him a choice. God was offering him an opportunity to step out of his worldview, out of his comfort zone, or to continue down the road of his current worldview. He could have said to me, um, you know what, I, I, uh, that doesn't fit with anything that I believe or uh, can even get my arms around, but... You know, when can we have coffee? I'd, I'd like to know more about this. I'd like to understand more of what you are hearing and seeing around the world. He could have opened himself to an expansion of his worldview that could have changed his life. Or he could have said, uh, thank you very much for that, uh, and gotten up and left and continued down the fork of the road that he was already on. Which do you think you would have chosen had you been him? God is wooing you. He is constantly wooing you into the wonder of this spiritual reality. 
He wants you and those around you to experience abundant life. Not just life. Abundant life. Is that your experience? That's what he wants for you. That's part of my role here at Grace Covenant Church. It's to to give you as many opportunities as possible, as many forks in the road as possible, as many alternate pathways uh, as I can possibly give you so that eventually you'll choose one. In fact, truth be told, I want to overwhelm you with those opportunities. I want to beat your resistance down until finally you choose one and you step out by faith and you accept the challenge of the Holy Spirit to allow him to transform your life outside of your comfort zone. You know, there are a lot of folks in the church that are already taking those risks. In a a few minutes, we're going to be praying for a, a bunch of them. And they're, they're stepping outside of those comfort zones, and they're having those experiences. And you, you might know them. They come back from, them, from these experiences. They're excited. They have stories to tell. They want to tell stories about kids whose lives have been changed or, or about um, uh, uh, Bible studies or prayer meetings in, in thatched huts or about meeting people for worship. And they say stuff like, they say stuff like, um, uh, you know, I, I, uh, I didn't know what to say in that conversation. I was just, I didn't have any words. I didn't know how to respond, but the, the Holy Spirit just spoke through me. It was amazing. Or, or they'll say something like, I couldn't believe how happy these people were when they had so little materially. How can that be possible? And, and their minds are blown by that. Their minds are stretched by that. Many of these people fall in love with the places and the people that they've visited and where these experiences have taken, and so they should. Their lives have been altered. And that's a place that's had a significant impact on them. But, but let me ask you do, you, do you think that God is less present right here at Grace Covenant Church than he is in that place that they visited? So what is really happening in their lives? Could it be? Could it be that having stepped outside of their comfort zone, having moved away from the known with their spiritual, emotional, and even physical antennas on high alert, that they have seen God in a way that they had never imagined they could see him. They've seen God work in a way that they didn't know he worked. They glimpsed into the spiritual dimension and they saw a God that they did not recognize. And he was doing things in a way that they couldn't recognize. And what they really, really want is they want more of him. They want more of God. They just couldn't imagine it before. Like my friend, they couldn't imagine 
that those things could be possible. Can you? Can you imagine it? Guys, for the last 47 years of my life, I've, I've been in, in about, probably about 28 countries for the sake of the gospel. I've either lived there or visited countless cities. I don't think uh, many of those people would even remember my having crossed their doorsteps, but I tell you what, I could tell you God's stories of Jesus' transforming power in the lives of people probably in every one of those countries and most of the cities that I've visited. And I'm hooked. I'm a, I'm a Jesus junkie. I can't get enough of that stuff. And here's the deal. When I just think I'm, I'm about to get God cornered, I'm about to understand who he is and how he works, he just breaks out in some way that's totally unexpected to me and totally outside of how I imagined that he is or that he works. Oh, man, would I love to share this addiction with you. I would love for you to be hooked on seeing God work in amazing ways around the world. Are you ready? You ready to be challenged to look down this fork in the road? Are you ready to think about that? For many years here at Grace, um, there's been a group of people who have thought a lot about a, the, what part we should be playing in the foster care system. Now, don't worry. I'm not going to ask you to be foster parents, at least not today. But as we looked at this problem of the foster care system in Travis County and Austin, you know, it seemed like just such a huge thing. We couldn't get our hands around it. We didn't know what part belonged to us. We didn't know where to start. So we continued to talk, to pray, to visit with other people. And as time went by, we began to see more and more of a, of a, of a leaning in the people that were involved here at Grace towards kids that were aging out of the foster care state-run system. So uh, we continued to pray and wait on the Lord, and several of our leaders uh, ran into a ministry out of Arizona that was doing precisely this. This, this man was a businessman who grew very tired of um, ministries that were offering more handouts than hand-ups. And so he began to envision what could be done to help people who are in need, who really want help. And, and what he landed on was, well, hey, let's create a board of directors around this individual. So imagine this. There's this, there's this person who is wanting help, but needing some direction and maybe some, um, some counsel and some help. And so these people come around him, six to eight people, and for a year they meet with him. They kind of hammer out what his hopes and dreams are for the next 12 months, and then they hammer out a plan of what the steps are that will need to happen for that to take place. Then tasks are handed out, and uh, everyone accepts their own bit of responsibility, and they... They go out and they go to work. For a year, they meet together once a week with their charge, their new CEO. They hold him accountable for the things he's supposed to be doing. They hold one another accountable for the things everyone is supposed to be doing. And they move this, this project and this person forward in an environment of love, faith, and hope. Well, God has allowed what this person imagined to become a reality to such an extent that in Arizona, 
it is now the only state-approved method of supporting uh, aging out foster care kids. The state has adopted it. And this is a faith-based plan. So now it's our turn, guys. It's our turn to imagine. It's your turn to imagine. What do you see in your mind's eye when you think of an, uh, of an 18 to 21-year-old uh, kid who is aging out of the foster care system? Maybe been in seven or eight different homes? I was told between the services that, um, and, and I'm, I might get this wrong, so don't hold me to it, but I think it's the Miss Texas uh, the current Miss Texas was a foster care kid until she was in eighth grade. Would you have imagined that? Is that what comes into your mind when you think of, of, of foster care kids? What do you think of? Are they aliens? Do they scare you? Or are they like your little brother or sister? What would it be like for you to sit on a table with six or seven other people from the congregation here and to listen to this young person describe what their aspirations in life are and then to enter into the process of hammering out a roadmap? Because a lot of times these kids know where they want to go. They just don't have a roadmap on how to get there. And then... You know, figuring out what everyone's going to do in terms of resourcing and networking and finding solutions that will move this person along in their, in their process. Can you imagine it? Can you imagine yourself sitting at that table? Can you imagine having this person into your home for a Thanksgiving or a Christmas? Can you imagine this young girl interacting with your children, with your extended family? Can you, can you imagine in your mind's eye this young person sitting next to you here at Grace Covenant Church? Because you love them. Because you love them with a love that never fails. You, you actually believed in them. You love them with a, with a, a love that, that endured hard times. You hoped in God's work in their lives. And you saw past what is to what could be. This model that we're introducing is the first um, of our um, um, ministries that will be launched in the, the uh, Fostering Futures ministry area where we hope to have um, an impact on Travis County and Austin's um, fostering uh, program, foster care program. You can be part of it. It's led by people here at Grace who are godly people. It's uh, coached by people from Arizona and other churches who have adopted it and are using it. It's well thought through, well planned. It'll give you a glimpse behind the curtain, into the spiritual dimension of life that you may have never seen before. God is offering you an option today. It's one of many, but he laid it on my heart to offer this option to you today, the option to involve yourselves in the lives of a young person who needs you. What are you going to do with that option? There are some tables in the foyer 
where you can gather more information about this if you would like. Robert Frost, an American poet, wrote a short poem actually called The Road Less Traveled. And he described this uh, experience of coming across two paths and his musings over it. And the last part of the poem goes like this. I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence. Two roads diverged in the woods and, and I, I chose the one less traveled by. And that has made all the difference. Guys, don't let... Uh, don't let comfort rob you of the abundant life. Don't miss out because you think you're not qualified or capable or gifted. Because those are all just lies from Satan. So many people live mediocre lives because they just haven't taken the time to imagine themselves living any other way. Take the step. Imagine yourself engaged. Imagine yourself going to Ethiopia or Uganda or, or Mexico or East Austin or sitting on a table with a group of people helping a young person who desperately needs an adult in their lives. Imagine it, and it can become a reality. For more information about Grace, visit our website at grace360.org.